Bill Hogan says, our people, our partners, and our customers take care of the first two, and they will take care of the customer. Awesome. And then uh, Kristen says, great session, Tom. What advice do you have for women executives in sales in a company like NetApp? Or I might rephrase, my guess is they were ahead of their time in supporting women. So maybe what are some best practices that other companies could maybe utilize? it, It mystifies me why companies don't realize that you want diversity in your leaders. Diversity of thought. You know, I was in England one time and I looked around the room. We had 15 NetApp people, all male, all about the same age. Most of them went to the same school. And I, and I said to him, anything hit you odd about this? And the problem you get into there is you all kind of think the same way. So you right. agree with each other. I used to always love when I would roam the country, especially at the beginning. I'd ask everybody, what, where did you come from? And I love that they came from different places. Because we that way there's no cookbook. So with that in mind, I think... Well, first of all, the female executives that are, are very, very good have a tremendous power, in my opinion, because people aren't used to seeing them all the time. And when they do see them they, and they're really, really good, it makes a big, big impression. But I, I, I just really am amazed that we're still even wondering why. I mean, right? if you've been around really good sales executives, you don't even think about oh, it's a man, woman, black or white. You go, that person's really good. Uh, and when you see a, I think the way that females can be challenged still is like if you do business in Asia because it, you know the way they think is a little off. Uh, but that may not maybe I'm not even up to date on that. The more I think about it, because I do I can't think of some female executives there. But it all I would say about anybody is be authentic, be who you are. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to be what the other people might think of is what they want in a sales executive. When I travel the world doing my business, I was Tom and those of wherever I was, I was sensitive to culture, but I still was me. And it worked out well for me because people really know they're talking to the real person. I think sometimes because company cultures make people think you have to act a certain way. And I think that's a weakness to a culture. Yeah. Again, I think it's a much stronger culture if Randy thinks differently than me, but Hogan walks in, Melissa walks in, and we think differently. We're going to come up with better conclusions. And then the key is, argue about it, think about it, talk about it. When that door opens, we've made a decision, march, execute. So I, I don't really have any, I would say be authentic is my number one thing. And if you think, gee, I'm, I'm trying to fit in by doing this because that's how they, you'll get further ahead by and then perform. Just it, one of the beautiful things about sales is there's a scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can make stuff happen, the greatest thing you can say about an executive, Suresh Fashion-Davids, a very successful CEO now, sold a couple companies already. And I always held him up as the best NetApp employee. We we had one time, Randy, we talked about how can we grow faster? And we came up with three initiatives that we really would love to drive. And we said, an executive said, if we could have one person in the company do it, we may not want them to because they may be on something more important. Suresh was the answer all three times. I, I think I answered it all three times. Everybody agreed. And we had a new head of HR that day, Gwen McDonald, super close friend, friend of mine. She had just started. She's retired now. And she said, what is it about Suresh Foster David? And we got to hire more of those guys. And I still remember what I said. And this is probably 20 years ago. 
I said, number one, Suresh took a very broad view of our business. So that business development, he ended up running engineering. We almost made him CEO. He pulled himself out in like 2012 because he felt it was too big an opportunity for his first CEO job. But he took such a broad view of the business. I found myself wanting to talk to him about things that had nothing to do with his job. So that's a point one for anybody. Be broad. Companies don't hide what they're trying to do. Make sure you understand the company's strategy and what can you do. Number two, it was great on cross-functional teams. If you're in a big company, you don't own all the resources. I want, I want an SHP implementation team. I need sales. I need backup. I need service. I need systems engineering. These are, I don't own all these resources, typically marketing. So we got to be able to cross-functional team. He was that guy that the answer were always a higher quality because he's in the room and he never cared about credit. And the last thing, and this is what I tell college, because people say this about you, your, your career is going to go on a rocket ship. What, what we would say about Suresh is whatever you give him is going to come back better than you expect. So we're not looking to solve cancer here. Randy, would you take on the quota? It was taking two hours. Done. He goes away, he goes back. What do you know? Now it takes 30 minutes. Whoa. And he, so if people say that about you, what happens? They start giving you. The other thing, Randy, I'll point out, most people like to be involved in things that they're really good at and they already know how to do. That's not the biggest problems. He was that guy. All they want to know is, if I did what, could I help the company the most? And his hand went up. And then you forgot about it when you gave it to him because you knew it was coming back better than you expected. You're on a rocket ride if those, those things are true. Oh, sure, sure. That's great. Now, what's he doing now? He's the CEO of a company called Sysdig. Okay. He, he, created, he was the CEO of Nimble, and he sold Nimble to HP. Then he was the CEO of a second company he sold. And now he's the CEO of Sysdig, and he's doing very well. Awesome. That's, uh, that's great. So you've uh, obviously mentored a lot, given uh, other, other people advice. Uh, what's kind of advice that you've received along the way? John Morgridge, I think, was probably the first. I said to John, I did an interview throughout NetApp with John one time. John was the first CEO of Cisco. Cisco sits on John Morgridge way. He hired John Chambers, right? And then he became chairman after Don Valentine. Um, John, when, he first, when I first started in sales, I was the first guy in the West Coast for a company called Stratus. John ran sales and marketing. And he came out and he said to me, you know, the guy in New York is doing better than you are six months ago. I said, yeah, it's because the product fits better where he is. I said, here's something I'll give you advice on, John. That guy's going to turn, he's turning over his sales team left and right. He's taking the accounts personally. That will not be a long-term success. I said, I'm hiring guys. I sell things. I give them to them. I'm trying to build. It's a tough territory because it's mostly financial institutions we didn't have. But I'm planting the flag here, and I'm not going anywhere. He told me years later how much he appreciated that because he really was asking, why is he doing better? And we had a relationship where he came out. I, he said to me, we, they, they hired a regional manager on the West Coast. I'm the top district in the United States for L.A. Everybody says, you got to take this job. And then they announced some guy from corporate got the job out of marketing. And everybody was looking at me, you know, like, whatever, I didn't want that job. Because I had Southern Cal, was taken in Northern Cal where we weren't doing well. Then that guy, when I met him, I'm like, that guy got hired over me. <laughs> okay, whatever. He didn't make it. Now everybody's going, Tom, you have to step up. 
A woman comes out from corporate to got the job. She also is from marketing, not sales. Okay. I call him up. Now I'm irritated. Yes. John, Tom and does it. Tom, how are you? Not so good, John. How's that? Why is that? You just hired the second bozo in a row to run the West Coast. And you didn't even interview me. And I'm waiting for John to go, ah, oh, geez, Tom. <laughs> he goes, interview you? I'd never hire you for that job. <laughs> what? He says, Tom, do you remember when I asked you to be on the comp committee? I'm like, I guess so. He goes, remember what you said to me? I said, mm. He said, you told me, John, I'm a sales guy. I don't do that. And then he gave me three other examples of things that he had asked me to be a part of in the company, corporate. I'm like, John, you know, I sell shit. I'm good. He says, Tom, they're all in your job description. Avoid going to action I just interviewed you for. And I realized, Randy, I niched myself. Yeah. Said, I love you in the job you're in. You're not going anywhere. We're, you're, you're good. We're good. I'm like, and so... I had to really do some self-realization on that and realized I was only doing stuff I liked. I wasn't really trying to grow. Honestly, I thought I probably was doing better than I ever expected anyway. I didn't have high expectations. You know, I didn't have any role models I'd seen do what I was trying to do. And I woke up and I started to, I started to take on different, I actually used my goals system after that to change things. But um, he taught me, he taught me, you know what? You, what, your actions tell people what you really want to do. And if you don't want to take on a big challenge, you shy away from them. They're fine with that. Yeah. So for any of you younger sellers out there, maybe, you know, SDR somewhere, you know, as people want different projects or help or things like that, you know, raise your hand because to Tom's point, exactly. whether it's an SDR rep or manager, RVP or whatever, it's those that are going to take on the extra tasks that people are going to want to put in leadership positions and promote. So great, uh, great nugget there. So you mentioned your goal set. Well, let, me, let, me augment, yeah. let me augment that real quick. One of the reasons you might not do it is not because you're afraid or lazy. You're thinking, I don't know if I have that skill. We all were in that boat. Right. But exactly. if you're willing to do it and you're willing to try, people don't forget that. And you'll almost certainly learn stuff and probably be better than you thought. And certainly be better as an individual and a contributor for taking on new challenges. Exactly. Yeah. Especially where you can cross pollinate. I mean, I don't know why you didn't do the comp thing, but especially then you're able to cozy up the comp people, appreciate what you're doing. Then when those the big commissions come and you know, finances, you know, second guess. You say, I don't know, Tom, Tom's great. He's already helped us with this. So we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna take care of him. Uh, so you mentioned I know it's, it's a longer story, but you mentioned your goal setting, it's been in Forbes and a bunch of other places. Can you uh, kind of quickly talk about that? Yeah. So, and you, yeah, if you want to look at Forbes.com, go through it. But real simply, I was at Stanford 1989, their executive program, six-week program, and they did a Yale study on high-performance people. 90% of high-performance people have time-bound, measurable, written goals. I'm like, I don't. Not that your company gives you, that you give yourself. I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably good. And then they said less than 10% of all people do that. And they gave many examples of successful people. So, lifetime goals on it. I gave myself six month goals. And then for 90 days, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so, so I had to make it shorter so that it was short enough that I had to, if it's 90 days, we're well, we gonna do 60, we're well, we gonna do 30, we're well, we gonna do this week, what am I doing tonight for the week? 
So personal and professional, three of each. Personal first. Personal is much harder than professional. You used to give yourself professional goal. Maybe you have to be able to measure it. So I'm going to work out. It's not a goal. I'm going to work out for 30 minutes on a treadmill. It's a goal. Good or bad, it's a goal. I'm going to, I'm going to be a good person. It's not a goal, right? You got to measure it. So three, and the question I asked myself before the personal goals, if I do what, will I feel good about me? And the reason that's important is if you feel good about yourself, Randy, you walk in a room differently, people react to you differently, right? Or the, the inverse is true. If you don't feel good about yourself, people know. So three things, and then I'll give you two stories. One was, and I don't talk about those other people real time because I'm not trying to convince other people I can make goals. The first one I would share is that I was, wasn't working out because I was traveling so crazy. Well, that just means it's not a priority. Right. So I put aside, I, I gave myself three days a week, uh, 30 minutes on a treadmill. That was the first thing I remember setting a goal for that. And then years later, my dad got very ill. He had what's called Louis body. And uh, it was painful to talk to him, Randy. He lived in Florida. And I started to avoid the conversations because it was just painful. He couldn't respond. And it struck me, you know, if he, when he passes away, it's going to really bother me if I didn't talk to him. So I made it a goal twice a week, half hour. And when he did pass, and it was painful, but when he passed, it meant the world to me that I had done that. So again, what makes you feel good about you? And then the three things in business, or what are the three things you're going to do to make an impact in the next 90 days? You're not here to fit in. Make an impact. And then I would share those with my boss, with Dan Warman over, or whoever I I served, which were the sales teams. I remember one time Rob Salmon, the Chinese team kept saying, can you come to China? Can you come to China? And I went to Rob and said, I'm going to go to China. He said, I wouldn't do that. I said, why is that? And he said, because we've had five other execs go through there. Of course, they like you there. We have other areas that never see like Kansas City, Seattle. When you go do dinners, done. So now I have six, right? But now I haven't done any work yet. I put it away for a day and then I read them out loud and I ask myself one simple question after every line. If I do that, will I be proud of myself? And the epiphany I had in 1989 at Stanford also, obviously, of course, had a lot of effect on me was I've been living my life to make other people proud of me. Parents, wife, friends. At the end of the day, when you look back at your life, I can say with great certainty, you're going to remember whether you feel proud of yourself, not what the other people felt. <laughs> if you say, oh, I wasn't proud of me, but everyone else was. So go back to that 30 minutes, and I remember this is a real world thing. I moved it to 35 rather than 30. Now, is that proud? We'll find out. At 20, I wanted to quit. When I got past 30, I broke through something that said, I can do more. I can do more. Mm -hmm. One of the backdrops, and I remember thinking about Michael Jordan and all these unbelievable people. They don't seem to have any filter on what they can accomplish. My parents didn't graduate high school. So I, didn't, I, I already thought I had done more than I ever expected. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I doing that to myself? I don't know what I can achieve. And to be honest, my career went like that after that. And many of the guys on this broadcast followed my system after that. Rob Salmon did it from the first time I talked to him. He was the first salesman in NetApp, and he eventually became the president after me. Don Valentine, our legendary chairman of the board, said he's the only original salesman of a company. He knows 
that became the president of a Fortune 500 company, the same company. He followed that system the whole time. That's great. Yeah, actually, for anybody who gets my book starting on uh, page 218, I do my goals of a mission statement and then uh, goals by family, spiritual, health and physical, professional, financial, social, and mental. So that Nick Sarah, that was back from a uh, Professor Ludwig yeah. that we had at uh, Boston College. So um, anyway, but you know, goal setting, I mean, you do it for work and if you do it for work, you should do it for yourself because you know nobody's more important than yourself, right? That's the answer. At the end of the day, nobody cares more about your career than you and your life. Are you healthy? Are you mentally healthy? I mean, this somebody asked about the difficult economy and everything. I worry about the mental health of people. And Big time. I do do Randy a lot. I reach out to people a lot. Not for, you know, I build relationships because I just like people. It's not about, I don't want anything back. I don't want anything. But if I get any hint that someone's struggling, I, I really do try to reach out. And people, I've had people say to me, man, it's amazing that you call me right now because I really... There are people I know who are great people that just don't know how to ask for help. So if yep. you're listening today, you think of just think of three people that would really appreciate you just say, hey, how you doing? It's important. Absolutely. Writing that down. Awesome. Great. So anyway, uh, awesome time flies when we're having fun. You've been amazing. Uh, I had a whole bunch of other questions we, we didn't get to, but uh, really great. Um, at the end, I always, uh, uh, before we sign off, see if there's any PG Randy story you have. <laughs> I don't know. If Hogan's still on, he'll remember this. The first time I met you, Randy, we were at Campagnolas, uh, Upper East Side, New York, and you took the opportunity to really rag me about Notre Dame. <laughs> we, we got past that eventually. I'm looking at this guy. I even know this guy. Yeah, well, we beat you, and then we did that. I'm like, yeah, you did. Anyway, I very few people I know actually did that, but I actually like the fact that you we, we liked each other pretty quick, right? But it was a it was an odd start and a very good. There you go. I'm guessing the time to rig other people. I don't know. I don't think I was alone. There you go. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm falling on the sword. How's that? Okay. Anyway, appreciate it. You've been uh, fantastic. But I will I will tell you, Randy. I I have followed your career with interest, and I've I like that you focus on other people and how to help. And you've done a lot of it, both charitable work that I've seen you do and the, even the stuff with your book and stuff. You're trying to give back to a community that you've and you've uh, gathered people around you that you trust can also help in that mission. But I like the mission. You're trying to help other people excel at something that it, it's very rewarding if you do. And you, you know that. And I just appreciate that. Well, thank you. And thanks for uh, inspiring me as well. Um, so, uh, for those that have watched this, thanks. Uh, Tucker puts this across uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, a bunch of other social media, so you can uh, feel free to check it out. Uh, next week, we have episode 127 of Tech Sales Insights. We have Bill Walsh, who's uh, at Dell. He's SVP Global Business Ops and CFO for Global Sales. Uh, in other words, he's the uh, right hand for uh, Bill, Billy Scannell. So, I, I assume you, you and Billy must have met over the years. You know, I've met Kevin. I've not met Billy. Oh, okay. So yeah, through uh, Lydonia and UiPath. But anyway, By the way, I always wonder. I always wonder what Bill did after the Niners. That's it's good to know he got another job. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I got that. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll have to tell him that. Uh, anyway, so you've been amazing. Thanks. Uh, stay on as we uh, cut off here. And uh, everybody else have a great day and great week. And uh, uh, figure out who the three, three people are you're going to call. <laughs>